Genre. everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story, except when we don't. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week is our Thanksgiving special, when we'll be discussing some of the stories we love and why we love them uh, on a more general level than the granular way that we typically do in an episode. And joining us for the discussion is returning guest, Rachel Armstrong. Welcome back, Rachel. Thank you. I'm very and- excited to be here. Oh, we are so glad to have you. And producer Andrew, you're going to be jumping in on some of these discussion points, I believe. Yeah. All right. Uh, so like I said, this is going to be more of a general, what What are some of the things that we love about stories than we're going to dive into a, a particular character and a particular story? And I threw out a few open-ended questions. And Rachel, you did a fabulous amount of preparation I see in our Google Doc Thank in you. responding to these questions. So the first question that I wanted us to all think about is, what book, movie, TV show do you think you've read or watched the most? And why do we revisit the stories that we love when we already know what happens in them? And so that's clearly two parts. Uh, we can tackle whichever one you want to first, Rachel. Um, yeah, let's do the first question first. All right. So what what do you think you've read or watched the most in your life? Okay. Well, I I have three little kids, so I felt like... <laughs> Bluey. Pete Turns the cat. out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, on the one hand, Pete the Cat, Goodnight Gorilla, Dear Zoo, those are books that I read as a kid and then have read so many times to my children. Mm-hmm. Um, and But then for myself, for stories I've chosen, um, While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock is mm-hmm. so good. And it, it um, handles this tricky balance of being both, I believe, a Christmas movie, but then also generally a movie you can watch throughout the year, and I do that. So... And, you know, it, it cracked the genre of romance and the holidays um, oh. before that became like just <laughs> a a wave that washes over cable television. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think for like the, the Hallmark uh, Christmas movie romance genre is more of a, a last 10 to 15 year situation. And that one goes back to the early 90s, doesn't it? Try to think we, yeah, we did a yeah, podcast episode in, on this but it was years ago that we talked yes, about this because i actually the first time i watched it i was three or four apparently and um at some point i asked my parents what about lucy and the train and they're like what and i had just anyway so it's, that one's been a favorite for a long time it, it's interesting that for us i mean for our culture you know there are is so much hallmark and lifetime you know christmas and romance and then um i don't know if if this is a comparable thing that happens in England, but they do a lot of ghost stories around Christmas time. Yeah. Um, we, we have some remnants of that. Like the song, there's the song that says like, we tell, tell yes. uh, scary ghost stories. Yeah. And also a Christmas Carol, uh, yes. you know, from Dickens. Yeah. Uh, those are like the, the, the only remnants that remain in American culture, I think <laughs> of the ghost stories at, at Christmas time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. We've, but I think that's still a pretty common thing in England. I know at least for, I know Lark Rise to Candleford happened a while ago, but they have a Christmas ghost story. That's actually quite creepy. I don't, so I, oh, I think I'm it's alive and well there. I but. started watching Lark Rise to Candleford and then just lost, lost the thread at a certain point and, and never went back to it. I don't think I ever got to a creepy Christmas ghost episode. Yeah. It, it's really great. Although it is, you know, it's a lot of episodes. So, yeah. 
Um, but then in terms of, uh, so that was for movie was while you were sleeping for me. And then for TV shows, um, the West Wing came up. My uh, family started watching that when I was in um, fourth or fifth grade. And I had no idea what was going on. But it felt so fun to sit there and and just I and there was a point at which I thought Jed Bartley was the president, so that one's always <laughs> near to my heart. Um, and then for books, uh, I love *Howl's Moving Castle* by Diana Wynne Jones and um, Jane Austen. I've always loved Jane Austen, so I'll cycle through um, *Persuasion*, *Pride and Prejudice*, and then uh, *Till We Have Faces* by C.S. Lewis, which you've discussed on the podcast before. So, yeah, I, I mean. I think we've checked all the boxes so far. Yes. How's Movie Castle the movie, not not the novel. But. I know. The novel is quite different, but the movie is good. Yeah. Uh, and then I also saw, like, just in your notes, we, you didn't mention it, but The Office and Crash Landing on You are in your TV shows, and we have been episodes on both <laughs> yes. of those. Uh, thanks to you, we did Crash Landing on You. And you would not believe how many people know about Crash Landing on You now, wouldn't it? <laughs> I love I it. I'm about. so excited. About, yeah, that's great. That, that is one that definitely comes up. Andrew, can you think of uh, maybe what some of the things that you've read or watched the most uh, in your life? Yeah. Um, for books. So I don't know if they even do that. Joseph, you'd be able to tell me if they still do this in schools um, uh-huh. because of your children. But do they have like designated 15 to 20 minute chunks of reading time on a regular basis and you have to have a book or else like you'll get busted for not having a book? <laughs> Uh, no, they they have uh, libraries in the classrooms, so the kids are not taking like the book they're they're reading with them to school very much. What, did so, you have to do that? Because uh, I had to do that. No, not that I can remember. I remember having stacks of Hardy Boys books that I would trade with other kids. Uh, oh, was, cool. But that was more of like an exchange of like <laughs> I've read that Hardy Boys uh, case files mystery. Uh, so so give me that one. And we all thought they were written by the same author still then because we were so innocent and naive. <laughs> Um, and it's all, this just is the first I've heard that they weren't seven or eight of these a year. <laughs> Man, um, okay. yeah, so I well, I would just say Franklin W. Dixon has written every Hardy Boys book since like 1915, <laughs> whenever oh. they actually start, <laughs> and they're still going. Hmm. <laughs> That's the real mystery. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so I remember in elementary school and junior high, like there was going to be designated chunks of reading time. On, on a regular basis, maybe not every day, but every other day. And I guess it would be, you know, a half hour or less, but you're supposed to have brought a book from home. And okay, you gotta keep, yeah, it no, in, my... it, keep it in your backpack and stuff. Looks like 1927 is when Hardy Boy started. <laughs> so. Um, and so, so I did a ton of stuff. You know, what really sucks about that structure though. Yeah. Finishing a book <laughs> 10 minutes into reading time. Yes. <laughs> And so if you didn't bring like your next book, you're kind of out of luck. And so <laughs> I, I kept the Westing game in my backpack, like oh, always because oh, it was the small. Game is so good. And it yeah, I one. really enjoyed it. And so I would just like recycle through that for reading time. Cause I'm like, this is so much easier. Also I'm in junior high and they're making us bring actual textbooks to read like one page, every other class session, but I have to have it every time. And this is <laughs> dumb. And so I needed like room in the backpack and Westing game was like literally like back pocket of my pants if i wanted it to be you know like it was that small and compact um and so i i your pockets are much different sizes than well yeah well yes i know that's a societal discussion (laughs) science has not figured out how to make pockets for women rachel you know it just can't be done Um, i i could fit i could fit like one of those 
microscopic. Have you ever seen those microscopic Bibles? Yeah. That you yeah. Can, yeah, I can fit that. But it's like the size, the size of a grain a, of rice. A women's yeah. clothing company that's called Has Pockets Wash With Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think it's probably the Westing game. I've read that to my oh, kids at yes. least one time. I read it at least seven or eight times. It, it might be over a dozen times, you know, between, cause I started reading that in like fourth grade and I was still using that as like my backup book through ninth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of the Redwall books, but I don't think I reread oh, any of yeah. them that much. Um, for TV, when I was a kid, I watched Scamper the Penguin. Oh, I remember so that. much. Yeah. So much. That was my like, that I've never heard of that. That is probably the movie that, I learned how to rewind for it was like uh, <laughs> you know how like there was the Disney animated movies and then there was the Don Bluth animated movies uh-huh go down like two more tiers and yeah. that's where Scamper the Penguin was living <laughs> Scamper the Penguin was made as a joint Russian Japanese venture whoa and then somehow got dubbed in English pretty pretty darn well I've got to say like the voice work in the English version is like yeah okay this is actually like on point um and yeah, so we had the VHS of that and the box fell apart and my parents like retaped, reassembled a box for it because it was my it was my favorite one as a kid, even more than Land Before Time or Five Will Goes West, which we didn't have like the good VHS copy of an American Tale. And so we did for Five Will Goes West. And so I watched that one a lot. Mm. Um, is, is Scamper the Penguin different than the adventures of Lolo the Penguin? There Definitely. is some tenuous relationship between them. Okay. Lolo might be like the actual translation of of the original. Oh, Andrew, you're okay. just pulling that right off the dome. I had no idea. I've, I've done <laughs> a lot it. of looking into Scamper the Penguin. <laughs> um, because we we now have the DVD, so my kids can watch it. Um, oh, got it on DVD fun. Now. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But yeah, like other than that, like Land Before Time, which I called the dinosaur oh, movie yes. forever. Oh, Lolo um, the Penguin was also a Japan and Soviet Union co-production. Yeah, so like I said, there's some some kind of relationship there. Um, but yeah, um, Land Before Time and American Tale Five Goes West were definitely in there. I mean, I recycled through Disney movies, certainly. There was a yeah. period of time where the the house rule, and I know everyone had his house rules, so like, even though this is going to sound weird, everyone, everyone Wait, had their weird Andrew, house rules. Breakthrough here. Hold on. Breakthrough. What? The English dub of Lolo. Is uh, the Penguin. was released uh, in 1990, later re-released uh, under a new license uh, titled Scamper the Penguin. Okay, Whoa. so it, yeah, but I don't know. But if it it's looks the like there may have been like two two different releases. I don't know. This this Wikipedia article needs some cleaning up. I yeah. What in the world? There's no reason this needs to look the way it does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no excuses, oh, Andrew. I will just say that if you have the 2005 DVD. Uh, there's been a lot of changes and they got a, li- a bullet pointed list of like 20 changes <laughs> that From happened in, in the DVD compared yeah. to Lolo. Uh, I, I don't know or the original English dub. It's hard I mean, to say. I would have noticed the changes in Scamper. Right. So it's got to be differences from Lolo in any case. Yeah, um, uh, so the, the family house rule was in the mornings. And at first it was it was educational programming, theoretically. But we could watch like 30 minutes of TV before school. Uh, <laughs> you want to know how this really came about, Ed? <laughs> my memory is. Is it, is that, it, uh, is it from my, you pinching me and no, Kate to, no, no, to no. watch G.I. Joe? No, it was that uh, 
mom would walk into a TV that was near enough to our bedroom or a room that was near enough to our bedroom with the TV and just turn on GI Joe, knowing it would wake us up and bring us out there, <laughs> so that she'd have to come in and try and wake up a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> And then she deal with us after we were kind of like mostly awake because we were watching GI Joe. Um, <laughs> it was not; it was the alarm clock, not like the reward. That is well, um, that's a really I, great. I know uh, I, creative solution. Well, and I know Joseph developed a creative solution for watching TV after school, which was to wake I, the baby hey. so he could hold us while watching TV. <laughs> if we were helping with the baby while mom was getting dinner ready, we could have the TV on. And sometimes you were asleep when Batman the animated series was starting. <laughs> I had to do what I had to do. I stand by my actions. <laughs> the trauma. The trauma. Man, you, yeah, the uh, I bet she wasn't expecting that incentive. You, you, you'd that think that some of us would have developed more aversion to the TV, but no, we're fine. Um, but yeah, so so by the time I was waking up in the mornings before school, I, I could, you know, watch TV for like 30 minutes. And yeah, it was supposed to be like educational programming initially, like PBS stuff. I think Arthur was, you know, a potential in the rotation, those kinds of things. But then they got like pretty relaxed about it in the long run. And so it just started like cycling through Disney movies in 30 minute chunks. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, yeah, I'll just do, you know, 30 minutes of Hercules. And then at the end of the week, rewind it and start over and do that for like a month. And so some of those in chunks, I will have rewatched pretty extensively. But I ultimately, I don't know, you know, what like the one thing is like Westing game yeah. is, the, is the thing I feel most strongly about, but there's things that I've intentionally revisited um, a lot more like full metal alchemist in multiple versions. You know, I've gone back to full metal alchemist because it's just fantastic. And, and like has stuck with me from teenage years to today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Cause I don't know that you can say like, well, I read this 20 times, so that must be the thing I've read the most. I mean, you could say that, but, um, but there is an element of how, you know, how quickly you read it and what the barrier to entry is. I feel like um, there are some books that I've probably only read three times, but I feel like I've read them a lot. You know, like they, like they embedded uh, themselves into your soul. More. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, there was a time that I was trying to keep up with the whole Harry Potter series. I think I think I'd read it four times through um, and then I stopped. So um but that one's been so long that it you know i'm sure it's in my soul right. but it's not not at the surface i mean so. now that i'm thinking about it like and maybe this is like a separate discussion topic but there's like holiday movies like our family would watch the star wars trilogy every new year's eve and so oh, fun. i probably consumed that you know 15 times at least um throughout my life but the degree to which it's like watching it and and you know that's totally different from me turning it on yeah and also, like, when we were trying to stay up till midnight as kids and that was on, we were also, like, probably playing a game of Monopoly that ended in tears. And <laughs> I think it was Star Wars Trivial Pursuit a lot. We always uh, hoped the answer would be on screen at that moment. Oh, I, don't, I have no memory of that, but I trust you. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I just don't remember that. <laughs> um, let's see. For me, uh, the books, similarly, like, the, the one kid's book I know I've read, like, to all four of my kids, they've all bonded to it, is Shark versus Train. Uh, I have never heard of that one. It, it is just who would win if it was a shark versus train. And then it, it's like, well, it depends on if they're running lemonade stands. Uh, and then you see a picture of a shark under the ocean trying to sell lemonade to a diver and a picture of a train pull, pulling lemonade cars. That's just pumping them out to all these miners. 
<laughs> along the railroad track. And then it's like, well, what if they're playing board games? <laughs> it's the next page. <laughs> but all my kids have have uh, had me read that one. Like our, our, I think we're on our second copy of it because the first one fell apart yeah. uh, entirely. Um, but as far as books, um, lately, like I every Christmas season, I will listen to the Christmas Carol, and I've read it to my kids a few Christmas seasons. So that's like just got to be up there, just because of the seasonal thing as much as anything. Um, uh, Name of the Wind. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I keep revisiting it, just hoping that this time when I revisit it, my enjoyment of this world will spur Patrick Rothfuss to write the third book in the trilogy. <laughs> uh and also sherlock holmes like i've i've read and Which, or listened to okay. the, the complete sherlock holmes several times okay gotcha with that one do you uh, have a favorite sherlock holmes story yeah um i have a special part in my heart for the really bizarre uh study in scarlet <laughs> and if you've never read it this is the first sherlock holmes novel the first half seems I like i don't think a, i've read it yeah. it's pretty, like a pretty normal sherlock holmes story then there's a half that just becomes this anti-mormon rant <laughs> about oh. how Brigham Young is running Utah. <laughs> Maybe I have read it. That does sound familiar. So um, it's like in the first half, like they, they catch a culprit and then he tells his life story, which involves like escaping the Mormons in Utah. Uh, <laughs> and it's just yeah. like, what, how did this become a cultural like phenomenon? <laughs> yeah. It's so strange. I, uh, uh, there's a lot of the short stories I love. Yeah, I, I actually like some like of those. The Red-Headed the, League? Yeah, I was going to say that one because oh. it's like so bizarre, the Red-Headed I League. I know, it's so weird. <laughs> uh, and, like it's not, like now... We kind of, I, th- I think because of both like the BBC Sherlock and uh, like elementary, we kind of associate Sherlock with like solving a murder every case. And a lot of his cases are not that. They're just bizarre. Why are these people doing these things? Uh, kind of mysteries yeah. and figuring out what the motivation would make someone do, uh, you know, whatever the strange situation is in the short story. Yeah, that's interesting. I've also listened to the Pips, the orange, six orange Pips. Mm-hmm. That one is really creepy because, you know, they're trying to figure out this guy is being threatened. And they're not sure where the threat is coming from. And so he's trying to save him before he dies. Yeah. So yeah, intense. I do remember that one. Yeah, the five orange pips. Five uh, orange pips. Let's see. For TV, Fraser and Cheers, just because um, I loved mm-hmm. them, but also I was working on a book on them. So they <laughs> just became <laughs> something that I always had on and was studying deeply. Uh, Survivor, uh, West Wing, The Good Place. Um and I was thinking about it, like the good place. I mean, that's fairly recent. That's one I definitely like rewatched before the last season, and I've also rewatched it with my uh, my oldest daughter as she's like aged into the point to watch networks. Oh, cool! <laughs> we, we went and watched all of the good place with her, uh, and that definitely like makes a different association with me. Yeah, <laughs> and that and that show now. Um, but I was thinking, like, what else have I rewatched that I've like come to as an adult? And I was like, oh, there's not as much just because one there's so much more media right and it's impossible to consume all the new stuff that you've never seen before uh but also there's just so many more demands on time it's not like when you're a kid yeah. you get home from school and you know if your homework's done you can go watch something <laughs> uh so it's just harder to get to that and i was like ted lasso is probably the most recent thing that i've actually rewatched. how many times have you rewatched? It? um i think we've watched the first two seasons twice so okay i mean not like on repeat the way <laughs> like when I was a kid, I I definitely had like some things memorized entirely because um, yeah. I'd seen them so often. I think in my case, it might be at least like one or two episodes, if not the whole thing of the goes wrong show. When our mm. brother John introduced that to oh. us, the the Christmas episode in particular, I probably watched that three or four times one, like the oh, first I, Christmas season yeah. that, that that was available. I was like, this is, this is amazing. <laughs> Oh, we! I watched that when we did the podcast episode. On it. I have not rewatched it. I need to watch that with my daughter. I, I bet. I don't think I, it's I watched easily it after you guys anymore. did it, 
I it was on Amazon at one point. I watched it after you guys mm-hmm. um talked about it on the podcast. It was really great. And then I watched the Peter Pan one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Like that one's hard to track down. Like they've done so many things and they like come and go randomly on streaming services. Oh, like, interesting. Wait, what's <laughs> which one have I actually not seen uh yeah. of these? Um and then uh, for movies, I, I think the Star Wars trilogy is probably the thing I've seen the most, um, both from my enjoyment of it when I was a kid and then getting, you know, uh, guiding my children to be in love with it by force. Do you, um, <laughs> do you make them watch those three first before the prequels? Oh, yeah. In okay. fact, I would say like my kids have watched a lot of Star Wars, but it's mostly the original trilogy, trilogy and Mandalorian. Those are like the things oh, they, okay. they watch the most. They've. I guess my youngest has um, watched like pod racing part of Phantom Menace a lot. Like he would fast forward to that. Okay. Uh, that part's cool. Yeah. Um, and then Jurassic Park uh, is, is definitely up there. And the, then the other ones are kind of ones that maybe are in seasonal rotation, like white Christmas or groundhog day, like where, mm-hmm. where we'd have them on at certain times of the year. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a lot of the media that we maybe have repeat consumed in our lives. But the other part of the question was, why do you think we, we like to revisit, these stories when we already know what happens now rachel i saw that you like you went the extra mile like interviewed some other people like sent out a call (laughs) (laughs) to to get get reactions to this prompt uh so do you want to run through some of the the ideas that people have yeah and i'll try to do them categorized um so one of them is related to what you talked about which is you wrote a book about fraser and cheers uh, a book about and you're i mean you're writing about those and um a woman i spoke to also teaches um English and classes. And so she's read a book many times because she's been teaching that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, uh, other things people have said is, um, it's reassuring to go someplace where there aren't surprises. Um, it allows you to focus on other things when you know, um, that the basis for this movie or book is the hero's journey. Um, which can help you focus on other things in the movies. That was something my brother said. Um, and you can focus on variation instead of consistency. And uh, my husband, Matt said, he feels like there are a few more powerful ways to feel the feelings that you want during the holiday than through story. Um, and uh, yeah, so those, a lot of that goes along with, you know, articles that people have written about, the nostalgia of revisiting stories. Um, my sister, Sarah, I, I may have already said this. She said it feels like time travel and yeah. space travel. Um, I I think it's interesting when I've met people who are like, oh, I can't revisit this book. My dad is one of them. Well, I, yeah, I think mostly for him, it's books because he's watched a lot of BBC series over and over again. <laughs> but um, some people don't revisit stories partly because I think because they remember them so well. And I am not one of those people. Every time I read the Westing game, I'm surprised by the ending. <laughs> I know that has something to do with cardinal directions, but yeah. wow, that came Westing, out of nowhere. Up, south of, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I got to the end of this book about a boxer and it wasn't until I reached the last few pages that I was thought, Oh, I have definitely read this book before. So that's not an issue I have. I uh, am, I love to revisit stories. Um, yeah, I I uh, I remember the stories pretty well, but I I like going back into the worlds, like the uh, 
Patrick Rothfuss, Rothfuss's writing for The Name of the Wind. Uh, it's both like mm-hmm. the world that he creates and the rules of magic that he creates, but also just the way he presents the world is something that I know I enjoy going back to. Um, yeah. And uh, I, I think some of it, maybe, uh, you know, a little bit of what you described. Like, I know the beats of the story, so now I can pay a little mo- bit more attention to his prose style or something like that. Yeah. Um, even if I do remember that. Um, I was looking at an article that's in Time called Why Rewatching Your Favorite TV Show is Good for You. Um, when, you know, after I put this prompt, uh, into it and, um, it says, this is talking to a professor of psychology at the university of Buffalo. Um, it's a, uh, and, uh, she says humans have an innate need to belong to large groups for our survival. We were bi- biologically programmed to find solace in stories. This is a primitive drive that happens outside of our conscious awareness. There's a strong, very old evolutionary system in us that pulls us towards wanting comforting narratives. Um, and, you know, she talks about how, like, in, in the modern age, this is largely done through rewatching, uh, rebinging TV shows. <laughs> but, you know, she gives the example or, or makes the point that this is something that humans have done for a very long time. And the uh, only reason we have ancient stories is because they kept being retold. Um, yes. Yeah. The oral tradition, there was no other mm-hmm. way to keep it alive than to yeah. make sure people remembered it. Oh, that's cool. Um, and also, I think I think another interesting part of this is... Um, like the, the idea of like de-stressing uh, through yeah. through entertainment. Yeah. I was the, the bring thing that, that you already know and are comfortable with can be a de-stressor. And the thing where you're like actively engaged and trying to like uh, unlock a puzzle, you know, if it's a mystery or, or you don't know what's next or you're worried about like, are they going to kill off a character <laughs> that I like? Like th- that is a, a different viewing experience than like the comfortable de-stressing of my favorite sitcom that I've, I, I, you know, binged three years ago and I'm going to go do it again. Yeah. Um, I think there's also something, at, at least this has been my experience with things that I read a lot, like more than half of my lifetime ago, right? Like, like mm-hmm. Redwall books or, um, or the Westin game is like, there's things that I forget and there's so much like life difference that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, like if I was reading Redwall books when I was 12, like there's a, a lot of like emotional capability that has developed <laughs> in my brain since then. Yes. And so yeah. reading it out loud to my kids you know, is a very different experience. And I'm like getting to these sections. Like, I don't think I cried about this when I was 14. <laughs> also your ability to pick up an innuendo really. increases. <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some differences there. That, that's <laughs> especially true when you're watching something like Frasier. I was like, well, the laugh track tells me this is funny. Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> I know what's going on here. Yeah, that was a triple entendre there. Um, but yeah, so, so, like reading things to my kids as a parent is, is very different just because of the life experiences that I've had and, and like the brain development yes. that has, has occurred, right. Consuming something when you're, when you're 15 years old is going to be very different from when you're 30 years old and, and those kinds of things. And so that's very different. Um, Having had different kinds of friendships, you know, in my life, those kinds of life experiences make a big difference. And then, and then major ones like, like forming a family or becoming a parent, those kinds of life changes have um, a, a pretty significant impact on things, even if I've been revisiting them fairly regularly, right? Some mm-hmm. of those, just the experiences and the the comparisons that I can draw from my own life. It's like, oh, this is really different. I, I identify with a different character now, you know, in a yeah. different way. My mom, um, the, I, my mom 
uh, someone told this story of my mom that she started crying this one time when they were watching Fiddler on the Roof because she realized she'd reached a point where she identified more with the mother than she did with the daughters. <laughs> I'm like, I get, you know, there there are movies, like movies with kids in peril. I have such a hard time watching those these days. You know, um, Murder on the Orient Express, the baby who um, is hey. killed. Her last name is Armstrong, and that's my kid's last name. And we got to the theater, and I was sitting next to my husband, and I thought, what are we doing here? <laughs> this is just We're just setting ourselves up for so much sadness. So, anyway. uh, yeah, I, definitely like those different stages of life. The the same story you is going to hit you as an audience very differently, even though the story itself remains you know, whatever it was that was produced. Yeah. Um, Joseph, when you watch yeah. Fraser, Fraser, have you started to identify with Martin instead of Fraser no. and Niles yet? No, not there. So, um, <laughs> our sister Kate, who co-authored those books on cheers and, uh, and Fraser with us, she mentioned that um, she, when she was a teenager, she watched Gilmore girls a lot. Um, and she always liked um, Rory. The that's the daughter, right? No. Yeah. 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 Uh, but then she was rewatching it recently. She's like, oh, I'm feeling a lot more like the mom. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That <laughs> um, it, yeah, that's interesting because on the one hand, there's a lot of safety and nostalgia um, in revisiting media you've loved. On the other hand, we're talking about like that as you change the way you interact with that media or the way it affects you also changes. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I found interesting is that um, uh, media for me often feels like visiting old friends, Mm -hmm. but I've realized like, I will never get to meet Anne of Green Gables. Not once we're dead, not she just doesn't exist. And so the only place I can visit with her is in the, you know, the books for Anne of Green Gables and in the movies. Oh man. I I was saying I kind of want God to just create her, although I don't know if you know philosophically that actually that seems like a dicey area. So well, anyway, and I think there's there's also times where not not only like is it comforting or is it a different experience like emotionally or you know identifying with different characters, but sometimes it's just like realizing things or learning something new or it's like oh like this concept just didn't do anything in my brain when I, when I consumed this 10 years ago, but now it's like, Oh wait, this is, you know, really significant in my thought process or, or philosophically meaningful to me. I mean, and, and Joseph, I'm interested with you, especially for something like survivor, you've watched all of survivor three or four or five times. Uh, yeah. I, I, all I of th- it. At least three. I'm, I'm working on a book on survivor. Oh, and- Okay. <laughs> But but also you love Survivor. Uh, yeah, right? yeah, you, you probably like, watched the it all the way through. Oh. Is that I love it. Yeah, you, you consumed um, it all the way through twice before you were working on the book. Yeah, um, I do have no, to say, no, my... I definitely was surprised by like, oh, I never saw this season, or like I I oh. missed that one at, at a certain point. Once, yeah, you know, but but while working on the book, I've definitely watched all of it at least twice. Um, one of the most recent Survivor contestants, um, I don't know if this is uh, voted for my sister in law when she was running for office so yeah so that's connection there yeah um yeah i i think it's um interesting because there is growth there um and in order to have growth you need to not feel threatened and we can feel threatened by new things so it makes sense that being in a safe place of revisiting media allows us to kind of put down our guard and you know be in a place that's that could stretch us instead of 
getting too much too stressed out by the newness and not be able to take in you know new lessons yeah well um, and so so uh, oh, i wanted joseph to to say like what is the difference for you oh yes, yes for like okay clearly survivor has an element of you know competition and discovering literally yeah. what's going to happen and then mm-hmm. consuming it a second time you're like i know who wins like i yeah. know who gets yeah. voted out at each point I know who's going to win this challenge Ooh. or lose this challenge even. And, mm-hmm. you know, how, how does that change the, the consumption? Yeah. And I think that is because it's a, a competition show. Certainly there are for many people like rewatching it would hold no appeal, right? <laughs> There's uh, you know, it is all about that journey to who's getting voted out this particular episode or who's going to win the season. Um, when I started the book, like going back to seasons that I knew I'd watched, I, I found I remembered very little like the early boot order. Um, now I've got it pretty pretty well down. I think <laughs> for 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 most seasons, um, of who, who's going to go out when and uh, in what order if if I go pop a season on to rewatch. Um, but there, just because of time uh, with that one, uh, for whatever reason, I, I had not retained um, you know so much that it it wasn't surprising to go back and and revisit it. But I think one of the things about Survivor that is that makes it worth going and revisiting is. Uh, the fascination is um, not the way a writer presents a story, but the way these real people uh, react in these situations. And like how, that, how are these people getting oh. to this point where this happens? Yeah. Or, or like, if I do know this is the winner and I'm like, there's an episode where I'm like, they're in a really bad place. How, like, how did they pull this off again? <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I, I think if you're going in with that mindset, uh, it, it can still be very rewarding to do it. But I, I completely understand that for some people, uh, rewatching something like survivor, it's be like, well, that has no appeal <laughs> if, if I know who wins the season. But I, I think there is even knowing the winner, there could be a lot of interest of like, how are they navigating from this mm. point in this season to, to 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 the win, and like I know this person votes for them in the end, and they're fighting right now. So how how are they mending this relationship enough to get that person's vote at the end? You know things like that. Um, I just wanted to touch base before we jump onto the next question. Uh, with that that time article, there were th- three final takeaways that they had about the benefits of revisiting TV shows in particular. Um, and one is a feeling of frustration. Uh, watching new TV shows requires you to pay close attention. This is just me quoting from the article. There are new characters to acquaint yourself with, new fictional universes to warm up to. It can be a lot to handle when you're already exhausted at the end of the day. When people are feeling depleted, rewatching TV shows can actually re-energize them and restore feelings of self-control. Um, is something that uh, yeah, is, restore feelings of self-control. It's so yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's another professor of psychology from the University of Houston named Jay Derrick uh, was, was saying that uh, some studies, uh, like after looking at college students after they've been uh, doing draining things for the entire day, uh, you know, the, why they go and seek out familiar fictional worlds as opposed to new ones, and that's one of the things they they found like they actually felt better um, it, it, watch it, rewatching something they were already familiar with versus uh, engaging with new media. Um, another final point that they had is you won't be disappointed, <laughs> which is the danger of new media, right? <laughs> is this, <laughs> is this going to be quality? Is this going to be something that resonates with me personally? Uh, is there going to be like narrative choices or character choices that I hate, uh, in this? Uh, well, if you already know, uh, you're, you're, you're not gonna be disappointed by that. And then the final thing is, uh, that there's a sense of community, uh, both, engaging with fandoms but also a parasocial relationship with the characters that you already know where like what you were saying rachel like it it kind of feels like visiting an old friend when you pull up a favorite sitcom that you know all the plot lines and the beats but you're you're back with your your buddies (laughs) um you know at at the bar and cheers or uh hanging out at the office you know with with jim and pam you know whatever it may be there there can be these parasocial relationships that give a 
a sense of connection and community. Yeah. Um, I, and I think with that first part where you said like, you can create a community around that. Um, I watched the first episode of Troll Hunters and the first episode of Crash Landing on You so many times because I thought that was the best way to get other people to watch it with me. So <laughs> there would be people around me like, well, we're just going to watch the first episode. And you knew that you knew what you were doing with the crash landing on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I do think the second episode is where you get hooked on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes I would actually just skip to the to the end of the first episode and then the second. <laughs> so, okay. Like, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll go back. You're going to want to go back and watch the first one, but you don't. But let me just you... show you this this weird situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, that was... Wait, uh, okay, real quick, because oh. I, I just thought of one more thing before we move on to another question. Mm-hmm. And it's it, it like a smaller bite than just reconsuming the same things. But I'm curious to get your both both of you to have a take on the idea of like when you're rewatching stuff yeah. having this is my favorite part kind of sensations because that's like a, a very it's, nah. it's more specific and deeper than just like well i rewatch the office kind of on repeat constantly or like, but like but, do you like, stop to pay attention when jim's like, gonna kiss pam but this is my favorite yeah. part yeah. you know you have those you have those things where yeah it's like how yeah. how does a favorite part work and how does it like draw us in more deeply than just reconsuming the whole thing where it's like yeah but i but i want to focus on this part yeah that's a great question i feel like a lot of my favorite parts are either funny or romantic or both like in the anne of green cables mini series from a few years back there's the this anne moment with an e? yeah no not that one the uh the earlier one <laughs> yes yes um sorry that was just a gut response um the there's this part where no she joseph dies. the real one <laughs> yeah, exactly there's this part where she dyes her hair she she wants to dye it a beautiful raven black but the peddler she met on the road gives her something that actually dyes her red hair green <laughs> And like, it's just such a great part to revisit because she's having to explain this to Aunt Marilla. She's like, where did you get this hair dye? She's like, the peddler I met on the road today. <laughs> yeah. Um, For TV shows, it's usually like an episode is coming up more than maybe a, a particular plot point where it's like, oh, I remember <laughs> this is a particularly good episode where this thing happens. Uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, a chemo in West Wing or, you know, a relationship change in a, in a sitcom where they've been having long term will they won't they those kinds of situations. And it's, mm, yeah, it's like, uh, okay, I'm gonna pay attention to this one. Or just like, I know this one is a banger from getting to the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, so you so said that made me made me think I just rewatched. Uh, so so Kestrel and I rewatched some Frasier recently just because we wanted like background. We're like, ah, I don't want it to be quiet while we do this thing. So let's like, put some Frasier on. Yeah. And, and it was like, Oh, this episode is like doing okay, but then there was a moment towards the end where they set up the hot and foamy, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, wait a second. I know. Yeah, this anyone is who's watched it. Frasier and knows the hot and foamy scene just was like had a mental image in their head. Uh, <laughs> we'll let uh, uh, listeners know what episode in just a second. The episode title that you should go watch to find the hot and foamy <laughs> sequence. But yeah, like it's it's near the end of the episode, and and sometimes you get these sequences, and I, like I'm just kind of curious, like. Yeah, why are these specific moments better than the whole thing? And then I'm like, well, why didn't they just make the whole thing, you know, favorite moments? But you have to have all this other work to get the favorite moments to pay yeah. off. Yeah. 
I think also, you know, you if you have served? a limited season two, <laughs> it's the hot <laughs> for me. Um, if you have a limited amount of time, you want to get the most bang for your buck. So for that, for me, you know, 16 episodes of Crash Landing on You, I've got to be very selective about which ep- which uh, parts of episodes I'm watching. Although it turns out I'm less selective than you might think for 16 episodes. So. Rachel, I was just going to ask, when you are trying to get people hooked on it and you're like, let's watch this, are how much are you watching the show and how much are you watching them for their reactions? Um, I think once it gets to having watched it four times, I'm more interested in their reactions. But mm. I don't know; it's really good, so <laughs> I end up There's that. Yeah, you you I got me hooked on it. it. Yeah, by asking us to do it on the podcast, you 100 got me hooked on. Crash I know. Crash. I was very excited when you were like, "I I watched more than the first episode," because uh, yeah. Anyway, it felt good. Um, so. All right. Well, we had a couple other questions uh, about this. I, we've kind of touched on one of these already, so maybe let's let's circle down to the last question. Or, uh, uh, yeah, uh, let's do this one. Are there media that you um, have revisited at different stages in life that hits you differently? We were just talking about that a little bit um, already, but where because of where you are now as a viewer, this is different for me. One that always stands out is the movie Home Alone. Um, <laughs> both. Uh, Kevin is uh, like as I start, I first saw that as a kid. Like I was, I was the the dead right age when that came out in theaters <laughs> to, to love Home Alone, uh, and so like I I still enjoy the antics that Kevin gets up to, but I do have far more sympathy for the pain of the criminals, <laughs> the wet bandits. <laughs> yeah, that's a, than that's I did a, as a kid. That's a transition in in like your twenties where you're like, yeah, wait you're, a oh. second, <laughs> Ooh, this ow. really hurts. Yeah, oh man, and I have so much more. Um, empathy for the mom's storyline, trying to get back home to her child, which Ugh. when I was a kid, that was like a, oh, get back to the the craziness of Kevin doing his stuff. Now it's like, oh, you you get home. And also, I have lost so much respect for the dad. <laughs> he is so lame. <laughs> uh, he is so frustrating uh, in how disengaged from this he feels, uh, you know, the, the trauma of having uh, a young child home in an era where you couldn't get a hold of them as easily as you can today so Oof. there's a lot of different reactions i have to home alone now <laughs> than when i was a kid um so i this is something that my wife and i have not revisited like we were just like no like we can't watch this and and it's weird because it's it's one of her favorites and it's not something i'd say is like my favorite but it, but i remember it vividly enough from when i was a kid but there's like since we're parents, there's just no way we can ever imagine really watching a little princess. Oh yes. That one's heartbreaking because like, but it's got great moments. It it does. And I'm like, I can picture the moments. I'm like, I don't think I can watch that as a parent now. And like, cause, cause the dad, dad, that's really good. What, what, what version? Alfonso Cuaron directed a a version of that. Didn't he? I don't know. Let's see. Um, I think of the right thing. I have no idea if you're thinking of the right thing, but like, because I know that the story centers yes, he directed it. around like the dad having amnesia and like not remembering his daughter. I was like, my oldest child's a daughter and I don't think I can watch this. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think I would make it through that scene. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's such a good scene. Yeah. What about you, Rachel? Any media that you've revisited at different stages of life? Um, yeah. I, so I wrote down that, um, Persuasion by Jane Austen, The Blue Castle by Ella Montgomery, and Jane Eyre. Um, those are all books that I still really love, 
But, well, Gina are a little less. No, it's still um, But I'm much less angsty now. And I'm also more married than I was when I first read these. And I thought, oh, I am the loneliest woman. And this person totally gets me. So <laughs> that's been a little different. Um, and then uh, along with that, uh, Howl's Moving Castle. I was like, oh, Howl's the best. Like, I wish I could be married to him. And then um, at the end of the book that I have, there's an interview with the author. And she says, all of these people come up to me and say, I want to be married to Howl. And she's like, it would be miserable. Why? <laughs> and um, and now I totally agree. It would be so miserable. He's really, it would be really hard to live with. So, oh, actually, along with that, I watched The Little Women. Um, I What version was this of The Little Women? Uh, of Little Women. It was... An older... The one with uh, Christian Bale and... Uh, yes, yes. The one with Christian Bale. Winona Ryder, right? His... Yeah, oh, yes. Winona Ryder. I was so angry at the end of it that I cried and my parents started laughing, which they don't often do at me. And I got so mad at them. And then I wrote a blog post that was like, eight things little women gets wrong about XYZ. Um, mostly I was upset because Joe marries the professor instead of Lori. Mm -hmm. And now that I go back, I think, of course she married the professor. He's so much better than Christian Bale in this movie. <laughs> but I was like, he's old and he's weird and I don't understand. And so anyway. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any others. Uh... I, I think I've mentioned this a few times with podcast, but I know there was a stack of comic books that I'd let build up that after my first child was born, I, I got around to and like three in a row had infants in peril. I was like, what in the world? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if I'd read them the week before I went to the hospital with my wife and my child was born, I think I would have been fine. But reading them like with my few day old newborn child in my arms, I'm like, mm -mm. Oh, <laughs> I'm just going to yeah. set that up. That issue aside for now. Yeah, along with that, um, the first time I watched Brave, I don't think I had kids at that point. Um, I thought it was really boring because I was expecting a romance and I didn't get it. Um, and every time I watched it since, especially since having my oldest daughter, I mean, my yeah, my daughter, who's six now. Oh, man, it's all about mothers and daughters. And it just hits me really hard, along with Enola Holmes um, on Netflix man that i just mother daughter relationships are much more interesting to me now that i'm a mother than they were when i was a daughter <laughs> i think this is part of like the stories that people have said of like the pixar writers it seems like they have the same writers and they're just going through different stages of life depending <laughs> on what, like what movie you're watching <laughs> Where it's like, yeah. early pixar, it's all about kids <laughs> and everything and then it becomes like parent child relationships and then it becomes like uh, uh empty nest <laughs> what am i gonna do with my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah Ooh, i'd love to see a review of them based in that yeah uh but yeah brave is definitely not like the finding love stage of life <laughs> yes yeah what do you do when your parent um turns into a bear <laughs> oh when yeah what do you do when you're a parent yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very specifically what you described too <laughs> But uh, Inside Out is another like, oh, what do I do with this daughter? <laughs> I'm not understanding yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make a whole movie about how hard it is for me to understand my teenage daughter. <laughs> um, are there media that you have created specific associations around? Because like you were listening to a particular podcast at a certain time in life or, uh, you know, you had a comfort TV series when something was going on in your life that like now that media for you personally is like just makes that sense of memory come 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 back. 
I wish I remembered more of them because there definitely is. I mean, there are audiobooks that I know, you know, I was painting this room when I did this. So it was for, you know, oh, days. That's one I definitely that just have, brought something back uh, to me. Yeah. <laughs> Don Quixote, no. when I was doing that uh, for this podcast with Todd, I we were re- finishing a an unfinished storeroom in our in our old house. And I was uh, hanging drywall and mudding it myself while listening to Don Quixote for like 24 hours <laughs> because that is a very long book. I also, there are also um, albums that I would listen to while reading a book. And oh, so, okay. so I've associated, and yeah, narrative. associated music with that book, but I don't remember. I wish I did because I think if I heard that music, that particular album, I would be like, oh yeah, you know, that I was reading that book. Um, one of the things we try to do my husband and I try to do is read Deborah Fraser's um, picture book called on the day you were born to each of our kids before we leave the hospital. I got that book. Um, it was signed by Deborah Fraser when I, before I was in kindergarten, my mom worked with the school to have Deborah Fraser come and visit. And it's so cool. She actually, my understanding is she created the book when she was on bed rest and she, um, for, for her, child being born and um she cut out all these pictures so it's all about different things that are happening on the earth on the day um her her child was born and so i love the idea of reading that to our kids on the day they're born unfortunately i think we only did it for our first and we just slowly (laughs) like our second we did it before we left the hospital our third I'm pretty sure we did it before they turned one. I don't this, this is a great description of parenting, by the way. Yeah. Like, Andrew, saying like, oh, you know, when I was really young, like we could only watch the educational TV shows. But by the time I was there, I was like, whatever. Yeah, just, yeah. Go, just go do something. Yeah. <laughs> and then their parents were gone. They like they couldn't even check. I could have watched 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, another thing is my dad. I just have this image of my dad sitting in an armchair in our what we call our den. Um doing taxes <clears throat> i guess he was doing a lot of taxes because we watched so many bbc miniseries he would have our mutual friend or bleak house or nicholas nickleby we watched pride and prejudice the five yeah i was gonna say I think it's five not five. all of those are short they uh, are not <laughs> and we watched them a lot so i'm now i'm very confused why he was doing our taxes that were frequently so anyway. maybe it was just work in just in your head it was always taxes but it could yeah, have been like any, any kind of like grown-up paperwork that's true that's true <laughs> i'm like taxes. oh no that must be taxes so. <laughs> don't, don't bother him <laughs> won't worry about that for 20 years that <laughs> reminds me of the fact that and uh, this only started um about five or six years ago uh it, it started when like first tax season after Kester and I got married, um, I started watching Indiana Jones when it was when I had to take care of the taxes. It was like, I'm going to be dealing with all this stupid paperwork. It's a pain in the butt. It's going to be hours. So I'm going to put something good on. And and so, yeah, Indiana Jones is, is tax time for me. I, I'm remembering and I, I had forgotten about that. But yeah, it's like it's like the balm to heal the, the tax experience. Um, I have some vivid memories of a particular set of ESPN podcasts that I was listening to at like one or three in the morning when our first child was crying, when we were living in an apartment complex and we were in the middle of three floors. So we were very worried oh. about like the people above and below oh, us man. hating us because our child was crying. So when she was crying in the night, like I would go out and walk, uh, you know, bounce her. That was the only thing that would seem to, to quiet her down and listening oh. to, um, discussions of sports <laughs> you know in the in the middle of the night uh is is something that 
like I sometimes uh, some of those podcasts are still going and, and um, sometimes wow. when I still yeah. li- listen to them. I will just like get a flashback to being in Michigan as grad student and <laughs> walking my now 13 year old. <laughs> Um, cool. but when she was an infant uh and, and definitely i have got like that that relationship of like new parent and middle of the night stuff with with mm-hmm. a baby uh with, with some media um andrew any others that you can think of any associations for um so i, I think i probably talked about this maybe it's only been on quick cast but kester and i started watching the reality show on history channel forged in fire and we started watching that because it was late at night after our son was born and there's just nothing on hospital TV and hospitals <laughs> like hotels have not gotten streaming packages into their TVs, which is super frustrating. Those are the only times they have to deal with actual channel surfing <laughs> and, and real commercials and everything is when we're at hotels or in hospitals. And it's like the least convenient thing. Cause like, when your wife goes into labor, it's usually like two in the morning, right? It's it's never like prime time. It's never time. a convenient time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's never, never ABC it's, prime time on musty TV. Yeah, it's it's never good TV time. <laughs> and so, like, and and my wife had gone to the hospital. We went to the hospital three or four times with her, oh with gosh. our second because she was genuinely having the contractions, but it was but it would calm down. It was like, no, this is meeting the criteria. Ugh. It's been going for two hours at five minute intervals. We're going, we're going to check it out. And like, mm, you're not dilated. So here's I'm impressed that you went back. I feel like some they almost, they almost and... turned me away one time. And I was like, I'm, if you send me out of this hospital, I'm not coming back. Like, well, we don't really have a choice. Cause like, I guess that's true. <laughs> not limited As options. a pregnant woman, I felt very confident in my ability to birth yeah. my own child. So they're just like, here's some morphine. Try again next time. We're like, okay. And so we did that like four times and they charge you every time. It's a big, it's a big Oh racket. my gosh. Um, what? It's possible the American healthcare system is is not the best system ever. This is created. the first look, I've heard of it. Look, yeah, with the just, amount, I'm going to put that out there for the amount that they charged <laughs> us for two hours in a room, two checks from the nurse, and one dose of morphine, they can get streaming packages on their TVs. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like you're not asking for a lot. It's our, just the streaming. Just have our four trips. I don't care what the last people were watching in the room. I will find no, what I, I want to find on Netflix. Yeah, it's like the. Between those four trips, I think we could pay for Netflix for every <laughs> every maternity room in that hospital for two years. Uh, and Here's the thing. You're totally right. You could totally pay for that. It's like, it's. Oh. I mean, like the nurses had to be there anyway. So it's not like they did a lot of additional work for us. I bet there are some nurses who are like, Andrew. <laughs> to this day. Um, but anyway, so like. active labor. He should have known. <laughs> It was. They said so. It met the parameters. We had the timers. I know. I know. Yeah, but then they get so uh, persnickety once you're actually there. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you told us like, to come up was doing this. It's doing this. It was like, she's not dilated. I don't know what to tell you. It was like, don't you have like medicine for this? <laughs> um, But anyway, so we had to do that like four times before the real one. And and so we were very lucky because Frasier is in syndication and unlike <laughs> Hallmark Channel, uh, yeah, late it, it, night, it's, like four yeah. hour block sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And so you can get you wow. can get lucky and get like four hour blocks of Frasier. So it's like, okay, well, ten to midnight. At least we can get you know these episodes of Frasier. They're not the ones I would have chosen if there was a Hulu subscription here, but <laughs> but it's it's on TV, and I Do guess we have the, a civilization. I guess the, the commercials aren't the worst thing. 
Um, like, I love that there's so much wrong with the American healthcare system, but you really, really are frustrated about it's, the streaming. I just want to watch. What, we just want to watch what we want to watch. We want to be able to like put on our favorite movie, but we can't because they just have cable. Um, there's there's some cords that the hospital's willing to cut, and there's some cords that they're not willing to cut. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, so so after our son was born, it was late night, and we watched some Forged in Fire, and then that became like part of our, like we we kept watching Forged in Fire at home after that, and so that became. Did you name thing. him Forge? No, <laughs> I would have assumed that was been the you know the tradition of the X Men character Forge. <laughs> yeah, there were there would have been so many assumptions based oh. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so Forged in Fire was something that then became like a pretty standard evening thing because at that point there were like four seasons and so it was, was really say, accessible probably, uh, well over 100 episodes of that series at, at, this point, at right? that point right and and now there's so many because they do like and that's the long, sword making one right? yeah they do long seasons of it um and so that one that we have like a, a pretty positive association with and then it's kind of weird to be like oh we've been watching that show for four years now that's, uh, yeah <laughs> just kind of happens sometimes yeah cool. there's a, there's a built-in anniversary all right, uh, we're going to kind of go rapid fire on this last one. Are there particular stories you associate with particular times of the year? And the obvious is our Christmas movies. So I'm going to just I thought you were everyone... going to say Indiana Jones for tax season. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, who doesn't have that, Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> that is universal. Uh, <laughs> we, like, we've been trained by the media calendar to consume various, you know, certain media in December. Uh, so maybe everyone run through like one or two of your favorite Christmas TV shows or, uh, you know, episodes or, or movies. Uh, and then we'll talk about any other times of the years that you have some associations with. Uh, let's start with Rachel. Okay. But one or two. Okay. Uh, but what if I say You know what? Really it's open-ended. Give me a handful of okay, uh, things okay, that great. you associate with. Um, okay. Season. And actually some of these, I feel guilty if I don't watch them during the Christmas season. So I feel like, ah, that was part of my tradition. So anyway, I have a, a little hang up, but um, a Christmas Carol, the book mm-hmm. while you were sleeping. Um, there's this audiobook called Brother Heinrich's Christmas. Have you guys ever heard of that? I have not. Okay, it's the um, it's supposed to be kind of the origin story of uh, one of the Christmas carols. I can't remember what it is, but Brother Heinrich and his donkey are the two main characters, and he's a like he's a monk or something. Um, it, it's only twenty five or thirty minutes wrong, uh, long, but the art the composer is john rudder who does amazing christmas stuff and so we've listened to that um a lot of years um and then 12 dates of christmas i feel like that is a pretty good movie that one's on netflix um, and it's basically groundhog day i think joseph wrote a uh a fake synopsis for that i'm pretty sure he did i will okay uh, yeah i'll check on that um, and then It's a Wonderful Life, although that one has gotten more painful for me as I've had kids. And uh, White Christmas, Elf, and then um, The Five Books of Jesus, which is uh, written by um, James Goldberg, mm-hmm. who I believe has been on the podcast before. Yes, yes. That one's really great. Um, the Great British Baking Show holiday episodes. Um, mm-hmm. Scrooge, the musical, is something my husband introduced me to. Um, so th- those are the main Christmas ones. Oh, and also... Nothing ever makes me want to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. It's <laughs> neither <laughs> holiday. I, yes, it's not Christmas. It's not ha- Halloween. It's not anywhere. I guess that was the point. Maybe that's not <laughs> the point. But anyway, 
Uh, Andrew, do you have any that you like um, to make sure you get through uh, at the holiday season? I, I now the most core one for Kester and I is Klaus, the Netflix one oh, from yeah. a few years ago. That's I think our number one. Like, gotta have it. Gotta watch it. Like, gotta have it on at some point, and then also gotta like watch it at some point. I I love that one. Um, Muppet Christmas Carol is really sad. Like almost all the other oh, Christmas yes, ones, I'm one. like okay with them being distractions or in the background yeah um you know wrapping presents kind of mm-hmm. stuff yeah um our family always did white christmas a lot and i think i've i've like i've cooled down on it but i'm sure it's going to be on at least once every season for us um i all right joseph i don't know if mom and dad still listen to the podcast i if they do we're going to hear about this i don't really care for a christmas story i never have either <laughs> like it, it's, it's kind of like i don't know like creepy santa and the teacher turns into the witch like i don't know yeah just no, does that, not work that, for that me and never and, resonated with me well and then and i don't know if it's just like well his parents are jerks sometimes i was like i never felt like my parents were jerks like this so maybe <laughs> i just like couldn't identify <laughs> but yeah christmas story like i'm but not your parents ex- are really into it my yeah, parents my, my mom in particular oh yeah wow interesting and i I don't know. Like it just feels not good to me. Like nothing (laughs) nothing good happens in a Christmas story. Like everything breaks Their Their meal gets ruined. Everyone's yelling at each other all the time. He drops the, the bolts for the car. He shoots his eye out. Like, man, this is like, everything goes wrong every time. Like it's good for like, you haven't even mentioned the tongue being stuck to the pole. Oh, like anything good is immediately followed. Like, every two minutes of good is immediately followed by 10 minutes of bad. Mm-hmm. Although I do love that part where she dresses up her younger son for the snow. And no, the trauma, the trauma. That child is crying for help. Oh. And nobody will help them. Nobody I guess I cares. Haven't watched recently enough. To yeah, I, 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 these are like snippets of memories that you're pulling. I, I don't know the last time that was on in front of me. Um, I really like elf. Elf is, is, is rock oh, solid. So good. Um, Muppet Family Christmas is, is great. I yeah, really do like mostly that only one. available on YouTube now because uh, of rights issues. Yes, uh, which is a shame because it's it's a fantastic one. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that's like core core Christmas. See, I will always I, rotate I just like the putting on Christmas some stuff. episodes. Uh, oh yeah, you um, you and Kate actually gave me. You each gave me a list in in order, and they were slightly different orders. You're like, this is my ranking. Oh, of, of the, the Frasier Christmas, Christmas episodes? Yeah, you both just rattled it off last year. Yeah. Merry I was Christmas like, oh, these are slightly different. Is, is amazing. High holidays, so good. <laughs> there's, there's a lot we're of good. We have to check those ones out. Oh, uh, yeah. They, uh, they're all good, but there's uh, Merry Christmas, Mrs. Mouskovitz is one of the best half hours of television ever made. Um, <laughs> my uh, kindergarten teacher was uh, Mrs. Moskowitz. Anyway, <laughs> All right. fun information. <laughs> there we go. Didn't know what to do with that new information. It was, it was new to me. Wait, wait, wait. I was what, what do you mean? I, wait, more details, please. On my side or Joe's side? On, on your side. What do you mean your your teacher was? She's oh, had, I mean that's just Mrs. that was her name. Oh. Yeah, she was she was very short and she had a bald spot and she was but I didn't know that because I was a kindergartner, huh? so I was shorter you than could, she was. You that see. was very surprising to me. Yeah. <laughs> one funny one that uh, has become a tradition, not by my choosing, but at one point 
in the holiday season just to get some Christmas music in the house. We pulled up one of those, like, um, what are they called? When you just got like the fireplace and Christmas music going. What are, what oh, are those? Yule log, Yule log. Yule log yeah. videos. But it happened to be one that had like uh, animals, like little puppies playing and cats around with the Yule logs. And it was really just like to have some <laughs> Christmas music on while uh, I think we were, we were m- m- making something in the kitchen or whatever. But then like the next Christmas are he must have been three when we first did it and then he was four the next year he was like crying for like the puppy christmas oh, and we're no. like, we could not think of what in the world the puppy christmas was like we were racking our brains through all like the christmas shows that we watched and we're like are you talking about scooby-doo christmas <laughs> you know whatever it was. and then it finally clicked that he was talking about the yule log that we had on one random december afternoon oh <laughs> no we were, and now every christmas he needs to watch the puppy christmas like have the puppy <laughs> christmas on uh which is just a yule log with some puppies <laughs> i just it's just inevitable that kids are gonna mess up your christmas Um, yeah there's so many christmas ones but there's only a handful that i feel like super committed to Mm -hmm. um are there any other media that you could associate with the time of year uh um yeah so for ides of march my both my parents were English majors, and so every Ides of March, Julius the automatic no, well, one to go to the Ides of March. Every Ides of March, we eat finger foods on the floor and we wear bed sheets as togas. What do you watch? We don't watch. My like, dad. Is there, is there my dad gives the speech of, from Julius Caesar. From Julius Caesar that you're watching or something? Yeah. No, he does the uh, Brutus was an mm-hmm. honorable man speech. Um, Um, i mean we do nightmare before christmas around halloween we 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 started writing down a list of like things that would suit it so so over the garden wall is like our big halloween one that one i think is yeah cute i'm not really into scary movies but i'm i'm realizing the nightmare before christmas might be doing that thing that i was talking about with with uh traditions in england where yeah they're doing Mm -hmm. ghost stories at christmas Mm -hmm. I don't want to validate it. <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't have any like Thanksgiving particulars. I don't think. I kind of, like, oh, I do. Somehow now Knives Out has become like a Thanksgiving. Oh, I think it came right. out oh. over Thanksgiving. But, uh, and so, oh, interesting. And it just feels like fall because of maybe mm-hmm. Chris Evans' sweater. It feels like fall. Yeah. It's yeah, a strong so sweater game in that movie. We yeah. like Knives Out around that time too. Um, we watched – well, I watched um, two – west wing episodes for thanksgiving there's shibboleth and the indians in the lobby oh yeah um and then also that turkey episode of wkrp in cincinnati Uh, i uh i watched it after hearing the podcast episode about it while i was making pies and my laptop was getting super messy and the part with the turkeys is so funny i could i could find that episode of I could find that episode I, of Everybody Loves Raymond. Joseph, oh, you know the, the one I'm turkey. talking about. Yeah, there's yeah. a tofu turkey episode. Um, I don't remember that one. The Just the wife is, uh, I can't even remember her name now, but she's trying to be healthier, so she wants to have a tofu is turkey it, at Thanksgiving. <laughs> is it Marie? It, just, it does not Marie. Well. Oh, wait. No, Marie's the mom, right? Uh, I think that's... Deborah? Is it Deborah? Deborah, Deborah. Deborah is Raymond's wife. Okay, yeah. yeah. I think Deborah's the one trying to be healthy. Or okay. Marie. Now I can't remember. One of them. Uh, we did a podcast episode on this years ago it's in the in the, in the archives listeners if you're wondering oh i think we've done so many podcast episodes i can't um can't always remember i i thought it was interesting because i was like thinking about this there are two that i associate with saint patrick's day and they're very different uh the john wayne film the quiet man but then also really? the harrison ford film uh the fugitive 
What's St. Patrick's Day? Because the the river's been dyed green in one episode, and he's there's, been going. There's, oh. there's a segment on on St. Patrick's Day in Chicago. I, you know, Joseph, I knew you weren't going to say it, but let me offer you The Luck of the Irish, the Disney Channel original movie. <laughs> yeah, never seen it. So <laughs> um, I, that is not an association I have, but you're, you know, maybe we'll cover it on the podcast one March. It, it, it's yeah, not sure. one that I really maintain, but it's there. This is a St. Patrick's Day one that I think is an example of kids messing up holiday traditions, but maybe not. Um, we... I, so as part of St. Patrick's Day, my mom would, um, she would set up a, a, not a treasure hunt, what is it, a scavenger hunt with little clues on little green shamrocks. And then um, they would bring us around the house. And then at the end, there'd be a, a little brown pot with um, candy and a DVD in it. And I guess one year she must have gotten Children of Heaven, which is a um, very sad movie, not related to... <laughs> St. Patrick's Day at all. It's an Iranian film about this boy who's trying to get second place in a race because the prize for second place is a pair of shoes and he needs to get his sister a pair of shoes. So it's really sweet. Um, not at all related, but I was like, oh yeah, that's our St. Patrick's Day tradition. We have to watch Children of Heaven. <laughs> so... Yep, no, no, no connection to the holiday. Yeah. Just, just one family association, right? We, yes, exactly. that's all it takes. And then the next thing you know, a child is crying for puppies and Christmas. We we always watch yes. 1776 around Fourth of July. Oh, I bet Hamilton has entered that rotation for a lot of families yes. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and of course, Independence Day, you can watch yeah, at at, at the Fourth of July. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Uh, all right. Uh, any other final thoughts about the media that we love before we wrap up this episode? I mean, we just have to say Groundhog Day for Groundhog oh, Day. Right, oh, yes. So. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I just yeah. made my students watch that for a film and literature class that we have, which is really just a film class. It has to be listed as, as film and literature for the English department. We have a section on adaptation. That's where it's film and literature. <laughs> Which adaptations do you watch? Uh, we did Pride and Prejudice and Frankenstein. Um, Ooh, cool. Yeah, to talk about like um, faithful adaptations that are always like, moving against each other with Pride and Prejudice, where it's like, it's always pretty much Pride and Prejudice, uh, but they've got to react differently versus Frankenstein, where it's like, this became the cultural text of Frankenstein that has very little to do with the actual novel. <laughs> yeah, um, that was something I was going to bring up earlier, is that sometimes I'll read a book and when I want to go back to it, I'll think of it as a movie. I'll get excited about watching that scene and then realize that I have only read it because it does not exist as a movie. Mm. Or on the other hand, I'll be like, oh, I want to go back and read that really great scene. And it turns out the thing I'm thinking of is a movie. Think- Do you guys ever have it? It feels like synesthesia mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, where um, they're, like the way you were picturing it is so cinematic. Like, yes, yeah, I yeah. think this means that you've missed your calling to be a film director is what we're discovering right now. <laughs> okay, but, I don't think that's what that means, but I mean, that would be a cool takeaway. But weirdly, you <laughs> describing that for Frankenstein, for some reason, when when I read Frankenstein, there's like some sequences that do feel especially cinematic. Yeah. And so, oh, so yeah. you're saying that in, in conjunction with Frankenstein, it was like, oh, yeah, like I would feel that way if this had been filmed, but it's not. It's just in my head. So. I guess I keep yeah, it to myself. And there was I, oh, I cannot put my finger on what it was, but I know there was a book and an adaptation where, like, in my head, they had adapted it a certain way, and then I watched it, and oh. it wasn't there, and I was like, I swear that I've seen it, and I don't think it existed. It was just in my head. <laughs> there was this uh, adaptation that had, uh, you know, a certain framing or or the way that they shot the sequence that just yeah. doesn't actually exist. 
But then there, I, there, yeah. there's sometimes there's bleed in, right? Like I know when I read Frankenstein, like there was bleed in from the Wishbone adaptation. Um, oh, I mean, the true oh. adaptation of, of Frankenstein. <laughs> but, but also, I, like, I can't go find it. So I couldn't double check what yeah. is my head and what is from Wishbone because Wishbone's not accessible anywhere. Yeah, I, I, I will just say, like Muppet Family Christmas, you can find a lot of it on YouTube, I've discovered. <laughs> I uh, the other day I was thinking I want to watch a chick flick, but I want it to be really well written. But I want it to have this actor as the main character, <laughs> and I want it to have this much of their development of their relationship. And I was like, why is there not a way to just isolate like, the components of other? I mean, it's like give the, Netflix's the, algorithm enough time, and it, you it, may it, end up with this like it's the movie like, to your taste, the, the movie version yeah. of Dolly, right? Where you type in a prompt and it oh, generates yeah. a film. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh i i feel like that's probably a bad idea yeah. but it would really um it would be great for a while I mean, it sounds like a future special episode of this podcast <laughs> <laughs> the movie <laughs> version of dolly is we have to come up with yeah. some sort of random prompt uh-huh <laughs> all right well thank you rachel for coming on this episode and all the prep uh, that you did beforehand and thank you andrew for participating in this discussion Mm-hmm. And uh, that is going to wrap up this episode. Listeners, thanks for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Pernodigus Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Scott Toft, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. Until then, so long. Oh, it is recording. Okay.